Why do we rend our garments when a loved one passes? Because we're told to, or because we're feeling it? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 87 of Tracting the Dharam, and we learn the Kriya, the rending of the garments, serves as an example of the intensity of emotion we should feel when engaged in any mitzvah. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. King Saul despised the young David. He spent the final years of his life in hot pursuit of the man who would become his successor. He felt so threatened that he would stop at nothing to destroy David. And yet David never ceased in his reverence and respect for the king of Israel. One day, a man came from Saul's camp, his clothes rent and earth upon his head. As he approached David, he flung himself to the ground and bowed down. David said to him, where are you coming from? He answered, I've just escaped from the camp of Israel. What happened? asked David. Tell me. And he told him of how the troops had fled the battlefield and that many of the troops had fallen and died, and also that Saul and his son Jonathan were dead. How do you know? David asked. The young man answered, I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and I saw Saul leaning on his spear and the chariots and the horsemen closing in on him. He looked around and saw me and he called to me. When I responded, at your service, he asked me, who are you? And I told him that I was an Amalekite. Then he said to me, stand over me and finish me off, for I am in agony and I am barely alive. So I stood over him and finished him off, for I knew that he would never rise from where he was lying. Then I took the crown from his head and the armlet from his arm, and I brought them here to my Lord. David took hold of his clothes and rent them, and so did all the men with him. They lamented and wept, and they fasted until evening for Saul and for his son Jonathan, and for the soldiers of God and for the house of Israel who had fallen by the sword. Today's stuff discusses a woman who uttered a vow. Her husband mistakenly believes his daughter had vowed, and he subsequently annuls the vow. When he finds out that it was actually his wife, must he repeat the annulment? The Gemara compares the question to an individual who hears his father died. He rends his garment, but then he discovers it wasn't his father, but his son. Must he make an additional tear? Let's look at the Gemara. Says the Mishnah, if a man's wife took a vow and he thought that it was his daughter who had taken the vow, or if his daughter took a vow and he thought that it was his wife, he must repeat the nullification. Says the Gemara, is this to say that the phrase he disallows her refers precisely to a specific individual? But is it not so that with regard to the the tears in one's clothing that are made for the dead, each tear must correspond to a specific individual, as it is written for, for, as it is written when David tore his garment for Saul and for Jonathan his son. And yet it is taught, if they said to him that his father had died and he rent his garment, and afterward it was discovered that he, it was actually his son who had died, he has nonetheless fulfilled his obligation of rending. However, this is not a problem. That other case concerned a non-specific report, i.e. he was told that a relative died. But our Mishnah refers to a case where the bearer of the news mistakenly specified that his daughter had taken the vow. Let's analyze the Gemara. Why does a person rent his garment upon losing a loved one? Just to fulfill the mitzvah? Of course not. The act of Kriya is far more personally moving than mitzvahs such as shaking Luv and Esreg or putting on tefillin. Rending one's garment upon hearing of the loss of a loved one is palpable. So let's imagine a person hears that he's lost his father, and then he hears that actually it was his child. How would he respond? By saying, ah, Baruch Hashem. 
Absolutely not. He would be doubly distraught. Distraught firstly at the Kriya and feeling of distress that didn't need to happen earlier, and distraught secondly at the news of the real passing. You can't just dismiss his duty to tear Kriya, callously suggesting that he's already fulfilled the mitzvah. That Kriya didn't do the job. Right now, his grief demands a specific Kriya that will be directed toward his newfound loss. Because Kriya is so much more than a mere rip of one's clothing. It's an outpouring of intense emotion. It's not an easy place to reach, but ideally that's the level of emotional intensity that we're striving for with all our mitzvahs. Take, for example, a situation where you missed mincha due to circumstances beyond your control. The good news is that Halakha has a remedy for such a situation. It's called tashlumin, and it prescribes that you daven mariv twice. However, the way you daven that second mariv will say a lot about your sentiment about the lost mincha. Some people will quickly daven up their additional prayer because that's their duty. Others will daven with unprecedented intensity, filled with a flood of emotions. On the one hand, they're incredibly remorseful for their missed mincha. On the other hand, they're extraordinarily grateful to our Father in Heaven who has given them a second chance. And the same is true for all our mitzvahs. When you make Kiddush on a Friday night, do you mumble away the words so you can quickly get on with your meal? Or are you filled with emotion as you recognize the great blessing of Shabbos that God has bestowed upon us? We should be crying true tears of joy every time we make Kiddush. And conversely, making Havdalah should bring us to tears as we recite the words he distinguishes between the holy and mundane, between light and darkness, between Israel and nations, between the seventh day and the six days of creation. The mitzvah of Kriya demonstrates not just the emotions of the moment, it's a symbol for the intensity that we should feel throughout the religious experience. May you be filled with intense emotion with every single mitzvah, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Daf Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Daf Yomi global movement, there's something in the transformative Daf for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Daf with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.